You're listening to Brave Girls with Tracy M, where we choose to empower you to be a better leader, mentor, and coach in the world. We'll share stories of people who have achieved great heights by overcoming adversity and rising to the challenge, all while pursuing their passions. These courageous people will inspire you to have faith in yourself and take bold action. Right here with the host of Brave Girls, Tracy M. Episode 68, Make Great Art with Jocelyn Aram. Based in New York City, Jocelyn Aram joins us on the show today. She tells her Brave Girl story and how she came to do the work that she does today as a Grammy-nominated producer, musician, archival remix artist, multimedia storyteller, and lecturer with the School of the New York Times. I found Jocelyn to be so knowledgeable, and it's no surprise that she's been featured in Rolling Stone, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, NPR, and PBS. She also recently won the 2019 Creative Thought Matters Award of Distinction from her alma mater, Skidmore College. Originally from the DC area, she grew up on 90s R&B and 60s folk music, and her work is influenced by Erica Badu, Prince, Ella Fitzgerald, and Mariah Carey. She talks about how she loves reimagining work of artists and who in the music world inspires her today. I love learning more about her projects as a recording performance artist and where she sees the music industry going and why musicians need multiple revenue streams today. Known as Rabasi Joss, she's a Brooklyn-based soul and jazz singer that has toured internationally, and she explains her emotional connection to this type of music. We talk about her studio, Arbo Radico, where she helps creatives transform their historical material into valuable modern-day content. We also talk about Liz Gilbert's book, Big Magic, and the myth of the starving artist and how you need to create a portfolio career. I love how Jocelyn's a social justice advocate that engages in creative endeavors with other artists and organizations where music and storytelling can benefit others. I know you'll enjoy this episode as much as I did creating it. So let's hear why we all need to make great art. So welcome to Brave Girls with Tracy M. Tonight, I'm excited because I have my first Grammy Award-nominated producer and recording artist, Jocelyn Aram, with me. And she is <clears throat> quite a spectacular individual, having um, been a lecturer and an educator, and she continues to be at some very prestigious organizations like the Library of Congress, New York Times, and she also owns a production company that has some really fantastic clients as well. And so welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. This is great. Yeah, so you're based in New York, um, but originally from Maryland. So um, were you always interested in music, even as a kid? Oh, always. I would think I was singing since the time I could speak, um, is what I'm told. And I have a very vivid memory of being in kindergarten, like age five, and singing on the playground, like not playing with the other kids, but just singing. So it goes back way, way far for me as a first passion and love in life. Yeah. And then you went to Skidmore and have your master's from UNC Chapel Hill. So you kind of went down the path of um, pursuing your passions, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say music has been the through line for me since I can 
remember um, and it's it's sort of branched off in lots of different um, areas of my work but it's been the constant um, as a performer as a producer and, and also as an educator those are the three areas of uh, my work these days Mm -hmm. So let's start with the, um, the producer piece. Um, you're a Grammy-nominated producer, so what types of skills is, are really important for a producer, um, and specifically in the type of work you do, because I think it's a little bit different than maybe what most people would think of as a producer. So talk a little bit about that. Sure, that's a great question, because you're right, production can take on um, lots of different meanings and different contexts, depending on the project. Um, so for me, as a, a remix producer, as an archival storytelling producer, and I'll explain a little bit about what that means, um, my specialization is in remixing or reimagining archival content for modern day audiences. So in the context of um, working with a music estate, that could mean taking audio recordings and figuring out the best way to present them either as uh, remastered tracks or re-envisioned in the form of a, a cover song, which a lot of people are familiar with, um, or different combinations of that to really draw attention to that artist in a whole new way, in a very innovative way. So I like to say that um, the, the name of my company is Arboratico. It means tree root. It's really about connecting generations and, um, and bringing a sort of a new perspective to, to creative work through um, a different sort of presentation. Um, and I do that through music. I also work in audio and visual context. So I work in video and in publication um, to sort of create a multimedia presentation for whatever the, it is the story that we're telling. That's fantastic. That That's a real art, too. It's art and a science, I would imagine. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, there's a lot of different pieces to it. Um, but what I really enjoy is the problem solving aspect. You know, how do we sort of um, present this story in a way that audiences today will um, find a connection to it or find it relevant? Um, so, for example, the last project I tried to produce, a state of Errol Garner, who's a popular jazz artist, and um, one of the ways that we reimagined that was to have a present-day jazz artist, the late Jerry Allen, reimagine his music um, uh, and through, through her performance. So she was able to interpret his work, um, and through the album that we created, we released tracks that had never been heard before. We also re-photographed the cover of his old, an older album that we were um, putting out into the world in a, in a new way, and that received a Grammy nomination. So um, it's really nice when the work can be recognized as, um, as, as innovative as, as it is. Um, some of my heroes who work in this field who inspired me to do this kind of work are people like Robert Glasper, Dahlia and Beck Kaplan, T-Bone Burnett, you know, Danger Mouse, these kind of producers are, are doing this kind of remixing, reimagining work, and it's the work I was always inspired to do. Wow, that's amazing. And then you also have your own, um, you're a recording artist as well. So talk a little bit about that mm -hmm. and the type of work that you do as a recording artist. Sure. Yeah, I, I have been performing, um, like I said, my whole life and um, balancing the production work and the performance work for me is like really the dream. I'm sure a lot of artists out there mm -hmm. feel the same way if you can be practicing your work and working on um, projects that inspire you. It's, it's a pretty nice way to feel connected to the wider world of your creative discipline and also creating um, content that can add to that sort of 
trajectory and history that you're a part of. Um, so as a performer, my artist name is Rabasi Joss, R-A-B-A-S-I-J-O-S-S. Um, so Joss, like my first name, Jocelyn. And I am a soul and jazz singer primarily. Um, I've always been a vocalist and I perform solo in New York City and, and have toured internationally. And I'm, I perform with a trio, um, a guitarist and a, and a drummer. So, so for me, that's a real joy and both performing my own music and interpreting other kinds of music. And for my last project, um, which is called Heliotrope, we were released a few years ago at the Brooklyn Academy of Music for those of you who are familiar with Brooklyn, New York. Um, we uh, actually drew on some of my archival uh, connections in um, the production world. And Jerry Allen, who I was just mentioning, I worked with on the Errol Garner Jazz Project, actually played on one of the tracks, the title track, Heliotrope, which was incredible. Um, feel so honored that that was possible. And um, also worked with an amazing blues and jazz artist named Barbara Dane, who I co-wrote a song with on the on the album. So sometimes there's some overlap between my performance projects and my production work, um, which is really special when when that can happen. So I love to I love to perform these days, and I'm working on some new music now. So um, that's always ongoing for me. So since kind of the advent of <clears throat> iTunes, how is that? How have you seen that from kind of behind the scenes inside the industry of the music industry? Because I'm not I don't know the ins and the outs. I that disrupted sort of the Sony and Warner and like all the ones that sort of had a lock on the marketplace with artists. Um, how, what have you seen and, and where are we today and where is it kind of going? Sure. Yeah, this is a great question too. I actually, I sit on the um, P&E committee of the Recording Academy, which stands for Pro Producers and Engineers Committee. And this is a hot topic of conversation um, every time we have a meeting because um, the industry is constantly changing like you yeah. said, and, uh, you know, their artists are constantly having to adapt to the ways that music is being put out into the world. Um, but I think that's happened over, over time. I think over like all the whole time music right. has been music, <laughs> you know, we've had mm -hmm. to find different ways to hear it. Um, so I think it's just another one of those kind of, um, like I said, like limbs in the tree of the evolution of this, um, this art form. And what I've seen um, personally is artists finding different kinds of revenue streams. So that could look like mm. um, uh, uh, what's it called, a subscription service, like a streaming yep. service on Bandcamp. Yep. Um, a really cool DJ I just learned about, Amerigo Gazaway. I was just talking with him the other day, and he has a subscription service on Bandcamp for his music. So that's a way that he has found to um, expand his um, platform and for people to find out about him and also sort of. Um, add an additional way for people to get to him other than iTunes. So I think there's people are constantly finding these um, ways to engage with their audiences. And I think that's a great thing. You know, I think music can never be static and we're creative people. So we'll always find a way to be creative. Um, so I, I actually have a lot of optimism about where the music industry is going. Um, I think it's um, good that we keep a positive attitude because that's the only way we'll continue to make great art, you know? Right. Right. And do you feel like, because I know you've been in, I think, LA and in New York, do you feel like those are sort of the epicenters of the industry? Yeah, I'd say they have been traditionally, but I don't think that they necessarily have to be. I lived in North Carolina for um, 
about seven years before moving to Brooklyn. And um, that was a hotbed of, of, of music and creative um, work. And I learned a great deal for the, from the artists that I encountered there. Um, and I think now that we're so globalized, I don't think it always used to be the case, but I think now with technology, um, it's still possible to have a career and a, um, uh, a creative career from anywhere um, and not necessarily have to be in one of these, these big cities. Um, and that's a, a great way to lower your overhead, certainly, and to kind of make it happen, um, you know, especially as you're building. But I do think that this, the function of cities, and that still is true today, is to really gather creative people together. So it's always helpful to be in a community of artists because it just helps inform your work and um, helps get you connected and really inspires you. I love living in Brooklyn. Um, I wouldn't trade it being able to go out any night of the week and hear live music. And that's something I, I couldn't always do um, in other places I've lived, you know, so yeah. I'm very grateful. Yeah. So I know um, your bio says you're an active speaker and educator. What are some of the topics that you talk about and what are what are sort of the things that people are interested in that you have a particular area of expertise? I'm very lucky that um, during the summers I have been teaching for the New York Times Summer Academy, which is a fantastic program that the Times has started um, a few years ago to engage high school students in learning about New York City history and culture um, and all different kinds of disciplines. So there's food and there's writing and there's music courses. And our particular music course that I teach with um, Ben Cesario, Pop Music and Art and Business, I specialize in um, uh, music and curation in my um, in my sessions. So I bring in guest artists and I speak to the students about what it is like to do storytelling through the platform of music today and how we can utilize all of these different multimedia um, uh, components to, to tell a story through music. And I love it. I think that's, um, you know, really my sweet spot is, like I said, bringing together this intergenerational voices to, um, to tell stories about music. Um, so that's really my signature talk is on music and creation. I also teach music and activism, which is a huge part of my work um, as well. And um, those are the two that I focus on. And um, I'm actually developing those talks um, for other audiences now, helping creatives um, in other industries um, assess and activate their creative content. So for workshop spaces and um, colleges and universities, for um, co-working spaces, um, I've been doing talks in different kinds of environments as well. That's amazing. I love it. I love it. I love that you're taking sort of, um, like you said, the intergenerational, like things that <clears throat> different generations may not know about previous generations and the music that was created in those generations. And, you know, mm -hmm. essentially music or lyrics of music are stories, um, whether mm -hmm. it's, you know, an artist talking about the pain or the love or the emotion. So that's, that's really, really interesting. And then talk a little bit about music and activism and how you, how, I see the connection there, but what's the connection that you mm -hmm. see that you're out there talking to people about? Yeah, yeah, it's like what you said, um, the stories that we are telling today about what we're going through today are, are reflective of stories that people have been telling for centuries, you know, and that's what's so cool mm -hmm. about being human, that we're all going through the yeah. same stuff. Um, and uh, the way that we express that through music um, helps us 
get through our days, helps us um, connect with each other, um, makes life deeper and more um, beautiful. So, um, but there's also like the pain of living. That means um, facing, um, you know, challenges that we create as stupid humans. (laughs) So um, all the kind of injustices that, you know, that we see today have also been going on for centuries and centuries and centuries. So the way I look at it, um, music is, is the best tool or one of the best tools that we have to address those issues and then tell those stories and bring attention to them and then deal with them. You know, before you can deal with something, you really have to talk about it um, as we know. So in the music and activism class that I teach, we talk about the history of music and activism in this country and begin to talk about it internationally, but really focusing on New York um, activism, which is such a hotbed for, um, for this topic. And, um, and yeah, I think that, you know, it's important to bring that into the projects that I do as well. So in the case of um, the Aragon or Jazz Projects, all the proceeds of that project um, go to support, um, uh, you know, African-American jazz initiatives. So fighting racial injustice and educating students about the history of jazz in this country. Um, and the project that I did previous to that um, about a, a coffeehouse venue in upstate New York called Cafe Lena, the proceeds are shared with the cafe so that it can continue to be a space where musicians, songwriters, actors, poets can tell their stories and um, uh, you know continue to educate people um, bring to light issues that are important to them and through that kind of storytelling and then through the projects that we that we do um, hopefully we shed a little bit more light on issues that are important to people hopefully we get more visibility for people's stories and then hopefully we come to a better place you know and live a better life that's the idea that's fantastic I love that I love the way you explained it too and yeah and I I love that it's like you're using music for good. It's kind of the, yeah. the way I, I see it. Yeah, there's a there's just a great tradition, I think, in um, in music as an art form that people figured out pretty early on that this is a great way to raise awareness about things that were important to them. Because you when you hear music, um, you feel it in your soul, like, immediately. Mm-hmm. I think there's nobody who's sort of immune to that. I mean, we live and breathe it. Everyday sound is 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 in us, you know, it's part of us before we're even on this earth, you know, when we're being born um, to when we die. So it's, it's a constant. Um, And if you think about how powerful that is, and then you think about how to um, sort of um, tap into that to make, make things better. um, Yeah. You know, that, that feels to me like really worthwhile kind of exploring that. So, so activism through music just became like super important to me when I realized how important music was to me. Um, and I'm really lucky with my work in Arbo Radico, especially with the company that I work with so many people. I mean, I work with a team of photographers and artists and graphic designers and music engineers and DJs who this is so important to them as well. So I try to surround myself with people who, um, who just want to do good work and work with good people, you know, and tell stories that are important to them. So I feel super passionate about that collaborative aspect and I'm very collaborative in my approach to the work, um, both as a musician and as a producer. So I think that helps kind of um, amp us up, give us energy to, to do good work um, together. And uh, right. that's what we're trying to do. That's awesome. So, you know, <clears throat> I think sometimes I've had 
family members that have been musicians, professional musicians that have made their living from it. But I think so so often we have this perception that you have to be a starving artist and you're not going to really make any money. And, you know, if this is your passion, but clearly you've been able to figure it out, like you said, through the Mm -hmm. different revenue streams and things like that. So how hard is it? Um, especially if you're good um, or you want to not necessarily if you want to be a a recording artist but even just being in the business how hard is it Mm. yeah I think it's like as hard as you make it right it's like a mindset I mean that's sort of of easy 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 to say right but I think it really is 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 that you know if you look at it that way um, um, if you're doing what you love and you're surviving and you're making making your, your way in the world, then, then that, that is success to me. There's just different levels of it, you know? Um, but I think that, um, you know, having like a portfolio career as we call it, where you're doing different kinds of things and it all equals like a a way of living. Um, that feels to me like the kind of life I want to live anyway, because, um, I enjoy doing all those things. I've developed skills in all those areas and it keeps me busy and interested and engaged and inspires lots of different people. So it's kind of an easy way and convenient way for me to, to, to work by doing different kinds of things. Um, you just have to work on the balance then of, you know, how you're going to spend your time. Um, but yeah, this idea of like the starving artist is so weird because, um, you know, for like the history of art, we've we've seen people do it you know we've seen people like yes. um we, we wouldn't have great art if they weren't like getting by and you know it's um there's a great book that you probably have heard of um liz gilbert's big magic where she sort of deconstructs yeah. that idea of the serving artist yeah. that um you know it it it's um there's truth to it of course it wouldn't be an idea if like there wasn't some truth to it but i think again it's like perception and it's also um, leveraging your resources as best you can and staying engaged and staying inspired. So you don't have that mindset going into it. Um, and then just that it's a myth that we don't have to fall back on if we choose not to, you know, um, and that, yeah. you know, like she's in her book, you know, get a job and, and do something that you love while you do your art. And there's no, there's, there's nothing um, bad about that. You know, if, if, if you're, if you're making your art, you're making your art. So it's not a, a failure. Um, and you can expand on your passions in lots of different ways. So, yeah, I think, um, again, easier said than done. But I think that, you know, we really have to look at that and question that. Because if we fall back on that as um, as truth, then we'll never get anything done. So, Yeah, no, I think you, I think you put it really well. And I like your idea of a portfolio career um, and how you, that's kind of how you're, you know, it's what you desire anyway for your lifestyle. So let me go back to soul and jazz. What attracted you to soul and jazz? Do you feel like this is just something that like you were in another lifetime, you were a soul or jazz performer and you've just been reincarnated <laughs> or like, you know, cause that's very specific and that's very, um, yeah. um, I, I don't know how to describe it, but just, I mean, I love soul and jazz. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but that attracts a certain type of person. Yeah, that's so cool. I never thought about it like that. It was making me smile when you said reincarnated, like maybe, who knows, mm-hmm. who knows? Like, you know, we're all living this like atmosphere of um, creative work. So there might've been maybe something, um, who knows? But uh, I grew up in the DC area and I was always listening to radio stations coming up um, out of DC, like uh, 95.5 TGC and I'm 93.9 right. kids. These were like 
you grew up in this area too, so you know those kind of stations are like um, yeah. jazz and hip hop and soul. Yeah. And I just was drawn to that kind of music. I can't explain it. It just felt like um, felt like the kind of music that that hit me, hit my soul right away um, from a young age. And I would drive around um, that area listening and just like really enjoying it. Um, and I also am a child of like '90s hip hop and and Vogue and Boyz II Men and SWV and all of, all of those great um, <laughs> artists that you know I still listen to now. Um, and I think it's an emotional connection because um, I'm a singer and the styles those styles are very focused on, especially soul, especially jazz, are, are focused on the voice. Um, so that if I had to pinpoint it is probably the first connection is just the, the melody and the artistry of the, of the sound of the voice, um, that I've always been drawn to. And then just the rhythms and the melody that was, it's fun to drive around and listen to that (laughs) music. I don't know how to explain it. Um, and it's, and it stayed with me. And then when I, um, got a little older and started studying music and started tracing back the roots of those kinds of styles to blues, um, to folk music, to um, Appalachian ballads, and, you know, really the storytelling aspect. And as someone who was writing poetry from a young age and songwriting from a young age, it all sort of started to make sense as to um, as to where the music was coming from and why I was interested in it. But yeah, I just, I love, I love singers to this day. I'm, I'm fascinated by singers and, and that craft of, of singing and storytelling. Liz Wright is one of my all-time favorite singers and to me her voice is just like so rich and deep that I can hear I can hear um uh I can hear just just legacy in it I don't know how else to say it this legacy of the history of of sound lives in that voice it's really amazing that is that really is so how how do you bring video into your work because you're creating this multimedia content I work with fantastic videographers and we partner and um, okay. Got try it. to work, work through a vision. Yeah. So, so I'm really, I'm sitting at the helm of like a creative group of collaborators um, and okay. I'm in the editing Got room it. and I'm conceptualizing and I'm storytelling from A to Z, you know, but I really am, um, I'm working with people whose, whose first main passion is, is that so that I get to be the one connecting um, the different components of the project. Yep. Right, right. That makes sense. And then <clears throat> have you also worked with, because uh, um, I know in your in your bio, you talk about um, strengthening, well, you're, you're taking this something that was old, mixing it with something that's new to create something even newer to really like for the Errol Garner Jazz Music Estate, people may not have even known who that person was. So by putting together the recent project and the album and the money going back to the causes and everything, um, mm-hmm. you're, you're elevating that brand of that original musician. Is that, is that kind of mm-hmm. what you're doing? Exactly. Yeah, that's right. And that can be translated to other disciplines. So what I found is in working now with different kinds of creatives and I, you know, I've focused on music for a long time and now I'm expanding my practice to work with visual artists. I just was recently working with um, Sheffers Ann Gold, who's a four-time James Beard award-winning chef and cookbook author who has her, actually has her own podcast. It's really phenomenal um, to help her develop and 
um, reimagine, look at her archive of material and through a book uh, form. So um, mm -hmm. I'm finding that this, this, um, this strategy of breathing life into historical material through modern day platforms is, um, is really a useful tool for any creative person in any, any industry. I particularly work with creatives because that's my background. Um, as an artist, right. I, I feel like I speak the language. Um, but that's been, um, yeah, a, 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 great, um, uh, a great joy to see that it can be um, applied to different kinds of industries and, and help people exactly like you said, leverage their brand and, and find new audiences, you know. Right, right, because someone who may be, you know, 18 today has probably never even heard of Errol Garner, but they may love soul and jazz, but they just haven't, like, been presented with some piece of content that would get them interested um, in mm -hmm. the whole portfolio. And, and like you were saying, like, some of these things are never been released, some of the content, right, <clears throat> that yeah. you're working with. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And now I'm beginning to push the work a little farther into remix territory. So working with artists who can um, combine uh, older voices with younger voices in really fantastic, collaborative, innovative ways, like through music, through sound that I can't quite talk about yet. But we're getting to the point of like doing a yeah, lot of remixing, kind of cool. doing a lot of curation that's going to yeah push the boundaries a little bit further. Because I think this is a space that not a lot of um, people have um, I've worked in before because a lot of times there's there's real rights issues having to do with using yeah. archival content and working with newer artists. So that's something we're we're trying to break through. Um, but again, right. with the right attitude, with the right resources, um, this isn't impossible. It's just figuring out how to do it, and then the possibilities are really endless. And then, you know, it's going to be um, exciting to uh, to help people really reimagine their work in ways that you know they might have only dreamed about. Um, that's the kind. Of Kind of work that we're trying to do now. Yeah, no, that's really amazing. I mean, I can picture it. Like, I, I can visualize what you're talking about, where you've got, and you've got to work through the rights issues and all those types of things. But you could take somebody who's popular today and say hip hop and, and partner them up with a, a track that was from somebody from like the 20s or 30s or 40s or wherever and overlay mm -hmm. all that. So that's, that's really cool. Um, yeah, really exactly. Cool. And so we do that with music. We do that with sound, you know, through albums through podcasts. We also do it visually with photography. We also do it with video content. And then the multimedia presentation of all of that gives you a sense of the story in a whole different way that's extremely innovative, that leverages the value of the content, um, that connects you to new audiences, um, and really brings to light material, like you said, that has never been seen before, um, which with the amount of content that you know many people are working with now that they don't quite know what to do with um, means a lot of um, options, a lot of possibilities that weren't once there. Um, so I encourage folks to get in touch with us and that we can have conversations about what that could look like. Yeah, yeah. And so you've actually been involved in Grammy Week, right? With some of their, their things? I have. Um, well, as a nominee, I was able to go to the awards show, which was pretty exciting. And um, I also received two Grammy Foundation grants for my early work to digitize the um, audio collection of Cafe Lena, which meant that um, we were on the radar of, um, of the Grammys. And then when they came to um, do a, a presentation on music venues that year, 
Um, they actually featured our project during Grammy week. So there was a big presentation wow. of different music venues around the country and they featured Kathy Lena and the work and the footage that we had been unearthing. So it was video content and audio content that again had been restored, reimagined um, on the big screen during Grammy week in Los Angeles and Sharon Osbourne introduced um, my work, <laughs> which was a thrill. Um, I never could have expected that. So um, yeah, I've been involved in, in Grammy Weekend Recording Academy in different ways. I've also spoken for the Recording Academy um, Music Night School, the San Francisco chapter, and I'm involved with the Recording Academy in New York. And it's just a fantastic organization. I really have to give them a shout out for all the great work that they are doing um, for music, for music education, music preservation. They're sort of um, reaching all of the different aspects of music that we've been talking about, how to preserve it, how to disseminate it, how to address the rights issues, how to get musicians, um, what they're owed in terms of your, right. you know, iTunes questions. So I just, I feel very honored to be um, part of that and to be helping however I can. Yeah. Well, and I'm honored that you agreed to be on the Brave Girl podcast. So I'm just, uh, like I said, you're my first recording artist um, and, you know, first production company female owner. So I'm like, I was flattered just by that. So, and I love hearing about your work and I love hearing about kind of your approach and, and kind of your intentions, you know, cause I think it's important that we set our intentions when whatever type of work that we're doing. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, when you choose that path of something that is really something you're passionate about and it's just in your soul and in your bones, I think it's important to set your intentions, you know, for good, like you're saying. <clears throat> with yeah. music um because it's a it's a means to do so many so many things in a positive way mm. Mm. thank you i appreciate that yeah yeah so um what do you see in the future for you are you just gonna keep your business and and continuing your uh recording career and you know really bringing your skills into the marketplace is that really what you see that is my goal. You know, for me, um, I've always seen the three facets of my career as the past, present, and future of this um, of music as creative work. So the archival storytelling and the remix production work is like bringing to light the past. And then my work as a performer um, is like addressing issues that are important to me today and singing and being part of the music scene of um, now. And then the educational part and the teaching and lecturing is the future. So I feel fortunate that I get to be connected into each of those worlds. Um, and um, yeah, I'm very excited to develop um, these ideas I was mentioning to you, how to innovate um, the idea of the remix, the idea of bringing intergeneral voices together to create something new and exciting that can create value from hidden content um, for creative people. So we work with brands, artists, organizations, um, museums to really try to get at that hidden content that they don't quite know what to do with or have been afraid to do something with because of the rights issues and saying to them, no, we can figure out something to do with this and we have all the resources to do it. And here, let's bring a creative collaborative team to help us tell the story. Um, that's my dream is to continue to do that work and, and find clients who are really aligned with that vision, who are excited to work with us and do something new um, and engaging and aren't afraid to, to try something different. Um, and then as a performer, just continue to record and, and practice and um, 
as a as a lecturer and an educator just reach new audiences and and learn as much as I can from the students because I get as much as sounds cliche but they teach me a lot um, when I'm teaching them as well which is so rewarding so yeah Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that approach, past, present, future, and bringing it all together. And I'll make sure that when I do the show notes, we'll have links to all of your information um, so that people can find you online and they can find your work um, and your production company information in case they have questions. So um, that is fantastic. So my finale question is always, what's the bravest thing that you've ever done and how does it inspire you today? Oof, this is a great question. Um, I my first instinct was actually to say um, moving to New York was was a big step for me. Um, even though I had dreamed about it for many years, being in New York City was um, I had stars in my eyes, like so many people, so many artists. Um, and I was afraid that when I was finally here, maybe it wouldn't live up to my expectations, or I had a dream that wasn't really realistic or I wouldn't be able to make it like I always thought and um and I was so happy to know that um it was what I hoped for that some days are hard but overall um it's been a great place for me to realize a lot of the dreams that I have had um but I just need to get out of my own way you know when um when I'm my bravest is when I I don't listen to that little voice that that says, "Oh, what about the starving artists?" And oh, what about can you do you really deserve to live in New York? Are you are you sure this is this is what you want? And and my bravery comes when I can say, "No, I got this." <laughs> I got mm-hmm. this. Yeah, I love that. I got that. I love. Uh, yeah, getting out of our own way. I think a lot of us, you know, we're smart and you know we can figure stuff out and. We have that, am I worthy? Do I deserve it? Um, little inner critic monkey mind that goes, um, you know, kind of gnaws at us when we're tired or we're hungry or, you know, we just um, aren't, aren't getting what, you know, or hangry as I get. Um, so I think it's good that you, that you have, you know, you, 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 you're following your dream. You're, you're following your path mm-hmm. that you've known that's what you want. And, you know, the successes and the opportunities are going to come once you, you know, had faith in yourself and you had courage to do what you know you needed to do. And, um, you know, calibrating your expectations, like you were saying about like what you hoped for and, you know, but look at what your, you know, just your resume and your bio speaks volumes as to mm-hmm. what you've been able to accomplish and achieve since you've been there. And, and more opportunities are coming your way, no doubt. You're just getting mm-hmm. started. Oh, that's, thank you. I appreciate that. It's, um, you know, having conversations like this, um, and thank you for providing a platform for this because, you know, creative people, I think we're moving so fast all the time. We have so many ideas and there's so much that we want to do and slowing down long enough to re-examine for me, it's sort of ironic because it's what I do for a living, right? I have reimagined right. <laughs> back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I need, I need to do it um, as well. And, and I hope that, you know, I listen to podcasts all the time and I love what you're doing. I love that this is, you're putting this out there so it can inspire other people. And I get so inspired listening to other people's stories. So I hope that somewhere someone's listening to this can, you know, feel inspired too. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's my whole intention is to really um, provide a support, a virtual support network um, for other people to know that, um, you know, we're all human and we're doing the best that we can. And, you know, once we have that clarity in our mindset is, 
is is in the right place, um, you know, you can really um, do what you want to do and the way you want to do it. Um, it's giving yourself permission. And sometimes we don't give ourselves permission. So I'm hoping that these conversations, um, you know, trigger something in a positive way for my listeners um, all around the world to know that, uh, you know, you got this, you really, you've got this. So, um, and I, I think, you know, my biggest takeaway here is that, um, you know, music can be used for good. It really can. And, and that's what you're doing mm-hmm. with your work and your talents and your gifts. So thanks for mm-hmm. what you're doing out there. And I just, um, I can't wait to come see you sing. <laughs> and yes. Project. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. thank you so much for being oh, on the show. Thank you. This has been a pleasure. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Brave Girls with Tracy M as much as I did creating it. Each show is produced with you, the listener, in mind as you look for inspiration and motivation from other brave souls as you pursue your desires. I'd love to hear your feedback, so please leave me a review on iTunes. I read every one. And check out my website, tracym.com, for more free resources. You can also join my list and sign up for my newsletter right from the homepage. Until next time, stay strong, believe in your dreams, and go do something brave. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Brave Girls with Tracy M and hope that you enjoyed the show. For more information about today's episode, as well as additional free resources to help you achieve greatness in your life, visit tracym.com and sign up for our mailing list. Until next time, dream big, believe in yourself, and let your brilliance shine as only you can do.